people are being more courageous. The definition of courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. And I think I'm seeing more leaders, more advocates, more champions willing to be a little more courageous than they had been in the past. And so, hey, people can be a beneficiary of your courage, right? And so if we're all activating that, then that lends to a better working environment for everybody. As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I'm your guest host, Wendy Daly, and today I am excited to chat with Minda Hartz. Now, Mike is over at the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast with John, so I do encourage you to go over and listen to their conversation with Minda, but we are so pumped to be sharing it again. I know she's been on both podcasts before, but also get the opportunity to talk about her book, which I am just so excited about. Pretty soon, I will be able to stock it on tracking from Amazon. And uh, that's, that's our thing now, right? Is stocking our packages, <laughs> which is crazy. But anyway, hope you check out both episodes. And if you haven't ordered Minda's new book yet, by the time you've done listening, hopefully you will go out and do that. So Minda, welcome to the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. So excited to be chatting with you. How are you? Hey, Wendy, happy to be here. Love that I get to be in conversation with all of my, my HR peeps. So thank you so much for, for having me. <laughs> yeah, so excited. So we did have a chance to meet before. You were on one of the episodes of HR Wonder Women, which is still one of my favorite episodes. I pull it out every once in a while. So I have to kick this episode off by asking, has Beyonce answered your calls at all to be on your podcast? Because she has not uh, answered ours yet. Uh, no, no, I'm still in, it's still pending, Wendy, it's still pending. Someday. Yeah. Someday we will get her. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I have to kick it off with that. So, but we did talk about your book, The Memo, the last time, because we had talked right before that came out. We did a big giveaway and all of that, and I loved it. I actually gave my copy away, so I have to buy another one. Let's give folks a quick recap on on the memo, why you wrote it, and what you've learned since then. Yeah, you know, I've learned a lot. Again, thank you for the support. The memo came out in August of 2019. And, you know, it's been a whirlwind. It's it's crazy to think that it's only been two years since the memo has been out in the world. But I wrote the book because I just didn't see myself represented in a lot of the career books that were being put out there. You know, a lot of the conversation around women in the workplace really was heavy focused on white women's experiences in the workplace, but it left little to no discussion around the experiences of black and brown and women of color in the workplace. And so I really wanted to be able to put something out there where we can talk about our stories and not only that, affirm ourselves, but then share ways that our colleagues and counterparts and allies could also be part of making the workplace better than we found it. So I'm happy to say that because of the success and an impact of the memo, I've had the opportunity to now put this next book out called Right Within. Awesome. So that's coming out soon. So next week at the time of that everyone's listening to this episode. So what prompted you to do another book? Especially like you said, 
right after essentially you finished one and jump right into this other one since it's only been two years. I mean, we all know 2020 lasted about 10, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, Wendy, because I never intended to write any more books. Like I truly did think that I was going to write the memo. There was a need and I used my voice in that way, hoping that it would make the workplace better, right? It would at least allow people to have some awareness and ask the hard questions, right? Uh Consider what the workplace is like for other people and outside of themselves. And so I thought that was it. But then as I started to kind of be out on the road when we were able to be in physical places and talk to different women, and then the emails that I've received and things, I realized that there was this issue that even I hadn't really thought about as much. And it was the trauma from all of the experiences that we've had in the workplace, right? All the dismissals, all of the having to leave because of bad characters, you know, all of that is traumatic. And you can't do your best work if you're only always traumatized, right? Or triggered about experiences that happen to do with racial, right? Two things can be true at the same time. Harm might not have been intended, but harm could have been was caused, right? And so we have to address that. And so it really led me to write within. And I'm really excited about this book, to be honest, Wendy, I think that it's like a big sister to the memo. So even if you haven't read the memo, you can, you can jump right into this <laughs> and uh, feel right at home. Nice. Nice. I, I like the idea of it being the big sister. <laughs> kind of the, yes. guidance, the guidance in there of taking us to that next level to, you know, for myself being an ally or trying to be an ally and trying to get it right. I've been following the a few weeks ago, you asked on Twitter about trauma in the workplace and just following through some of what people are sharing and feeling comfortable enough to share that. And I think that has helped me. I know it's not all about me, but it's helped me to kind of see where, like you said, it's not about intention. It's about what is that result and looking further to what we say, what we do to kind of help mitigate some of those unintentional traumas that they're out there. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yep. They're there. <laughs> so when you started writing Right Within, did you have like a particular group in mind? Like I'm writing this book for a certain group. You know, so similar to my first book, The Memo, I wrote with women of color in mind. I wrote based off of, you know, so for example, I spent 15 years in my previous life, in my previous career. And there wasn't one day that I didn't go to work where I experienced racialized trauma. Not one day. I don't know what that felt feels like to go to work and not experience that in some way, shape or form. And so I started to think about that. And I thought, wow, Martin Luther King Jr. said that racism distorts the personality. And I started to think about how I have been distorted due to racism in the workplace. You know, like who I entered the workplace as was much different than the person that I left. Yes, growth had happened, but I was traumatized in many ways. I saw things a little differently than when I first entered the workplace, happy to be there, right? All Uh of those things. And it did affect how I moved in spaces, how I entered. If I came into a room and I was the only Black woman, that was triggering, right? Because I knew something was probably going to be said or done, Uh again, intentional or unintentional. I just knew that that came with it, right? That came with the job description. And I realized how traumatizing that is. it was for me, that has to be traumatizing for others, right? And uh-huh. so I thought about our experiences and, and wanted to shed light on racial discrimination because we don't talk a lot about that trauma that uh-huh. comes with that. And then I thought about managers. 
I thought about, you know, there's a unique opportunity for managers to create psychological safety inside the workplace and commit to equitable practices, Uh right? Because if I'm doing the work on trying to be right within, then I also need some counterparts inside the workplace that are creating space so that I'm not constantly re-entering into a cycle of trauma, right? And so I really do double down on the manager's role of creating that safety in every part of their managing practices. Wow. I mean, I, just the idea of helping managers, coaching managers, giving them the tools to be able to do that. You know, that's one of our frustrating things with, we put people into these supervisory positions and kind of say, good luck. <laughs> and go manage, go manage. <laughs> <laughs> You're great at this job. So you'll be great at managing people that do this job. I think that's an area too that we so often forget about is creating a safe place for people to, you know, we say bring your authentic self to work, but we don't make it safe to do that. And so then you end up covering to try to be more like everyone else who is there and you can't be Minda. (laughs) Yes. It's hard to be Minda when you're, when your manager is not standing up for you, when Uh they may even be causing the harm, you know, things. Um, Right. Again, it may not be intended, but harm is still being caused. And I think if we can all understand that, then we can maybe take a step to dismantling that. Yeah, I agree with that. So obviously we want people to buy the book and get into it. But what's one thing you hope readers take away from your book? And do you have different expectations for folks based on their gender and or race? Great question. I do believe that Right Within is for everybody. It's not just someone who's experienced any racialized aggression inside the workplace. Because if we all want to make a better workplace, then it requires us to be aware of how other people are experiencing that workplace and our role in that. So my goal, my dream is that after people read it, regardless of how they identify it, that they're willing to take one more step toward equity. So if they weren't doing anything before, just letting, you know, observing it, but not making, taking a step toward action of some sort, they'll be curious to see what that next step is. If you are somebody who has been racially aggressed in the workplace and you're fearful of it continuously happening or you've told yourself that this is just how it's going to be for me, that you now have the tools to say, you know what, I can have a conversation and let people know what my boundaries are and what good looks like to me, right? Because now I'm centering myself versus everybody else. And so I think if we all have that awareness of that Because, you know, Wendy, people say, oh, well, unconscious, conscious bias, but really it's unchecked bias. So many of these biases are happening and nobody's, no one's doing anything about them. There's no accountability. So I'm hopeful that accountability will be on the table after everyone reads the book. I really like that phrase, unchecked bias, because we do, we're humans. We will have biases naturally. And I think that's one of the things that I've, I've learned recently or in the last year, I guess, that we can never eliminate our bias. And and for us to come in and say, I'm going to eliminate all of my bias is ridiculous. You know, it's, but I need, so I need to know what my biases are so I can check them and make sure that I'm not letting them control my decisions, my, my going into that unintentional harm that we all cause. Yeah, we all do. We all cause, I have done it and I don't like to be called out, but Every time you are, you, you can you can grow a little bit. So absolutely. So you said you had not you didn't intend to write a second book. So I'm going to guess one of the biggest surprises from writing a book is actually writing a second book. <laughs> but what has been some of the surprises that have come from 
the process of writing books, being out, talking with other people about your books, your book clubs, which are just awesome. <laughs> Getting people to read them together, I think, and talk about it has been great. But what's been some of the surprises that have come to you? Yeah, you know, some people, a lot of people don't know this, but I actually was writing two books at the same time during oh, wow. writing. So wow. this book, Right Within, and then a third book that comes out in 2022. And so writing them both at the same time was really hard. I didn't think that, and being in a global pandemic, right? And all yeah, that. I'm like, <laughs> you wrote two books in the middle of a pandemic. Wow. I'm, yes. I'm impressed. I'm impressed, Linda. I'm very impressed. Yeah, well, I, to I told my agent, I said, don't ever let me say yes to that ever again. <laughs> that was something I should not have said yes to, but they did get done. But what I will say is when I was writing it about racial trauma, also we were living out this racial pandemic in the United States, right? Yeah. And so I think it was heartbreaking, but it was also made me hopeful while I was writing that we're finally coming to a place where we can actually be honest that these things are, are happening, right? And that yeah. not everybody is experiencing the land of the free, the home of the brave the same way. And so I think that that's part of it. It actually allowed me to say, how can I continue to be part of the solution, right? And in order to do that, I have to tell my truths, right? So that others can understand the harm that can be caused. And so for me, I was just surprised by how many, you know, black and brown people were sharing their truths, right? And then also how many white men and women were willing to say, let me be a little introspective, right? And see where I can be helpful and not cause so much harm. So long story short, just the fact that people are being more introspective than I think they might have and being honest with where they are on their diversity journey. So that kind of segues to the last 18 months, we've been in a global pandemic. There's been a global racial pandemic. I think that's a really great way to put it in the U.S. How have you fared, aside from sitting down to write your books? <laughs> it was difficult. It was very, very difficult because, you know, being a Black woman in the United States has not been easy, right? <laughs> and, and I think that it was just difficult to really experience what was happening in real time and then writing about some of my past experiences, I think that that in and of itself was healing, right? Okay. Because I was able to be able to articulate some of the things that I didn't realize were a problem or that I had told myself that weren't a big deal when in all actuality they were. And I still feel like they happened yesterday, some experiences, right? And it's funny because even when I was recording the audiobook for Right Within, there was a moment where I was reading one chapter, a section, and I had to tell the engineers that I needed a minute because I realized that I was still experiencing some PTSD from some of these experiences, but I didn't realize it, right? Uh -huh. Because I had suppressed so much of it. And so I think during this, you know, racial pandemic, uh, multiple pandemics at once, I was able to be honest with myself, right? And, and so I learned a lot about my growth and my need and my boundaries to let people know what good looks like to me. And, and I'm thankful in some weird way that I was in my house to have that time with myself to really reflect on who I want to be going forward. Wow. We tell ourselves things aren't a big deal so we can get through it and we can move on. And you think about, you know, oh, someone else has it worse. And then you, so you don't take that time to process it. So I'm glad that you had time to process some of that through your books and audio recording. I still just kind of go, you wrote two books, you did your audio recording. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> With everything else going on, that's just amazing, amazing to me. I'm like, I, 
and gaining like 15 pounds in the process. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of pandemic pounds out there that, yeah, we need to, all of us, I, I know I need to work on that too. So what are you seeing from leaders now? that is kind of starting to excite you? Have you started seeing with, with everything that's going on, the 18 months have been crazy, but what are you seeing that, let's, let's talk about some positive things because there's a lot of downs right now, but what are you seeing that's exciting you? What are people getting right right now? Yeah, you know, I think people are being more courageous. The definition of courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. And I think I'm seeing more leaders, more advocates, more champions willing to be a little more courageous than they had been in the past. And so hey, people can be a beneficiary of your courage, right? And so if we're all activating that, then that lends to a better working environment for everybody. So I'm excited that we get to redefine and reshape what the future looks like in the workplace. And if we all do it, you know, I often say success is not a solo sport. You and me can't be the only ones doing it, Wendy, you know, like, so I'm excited that more people are willing to roll up their sleeves and say, you know, how can I also take a seat at the equity table to make sure that I'm doing what's right and humane for, uh, for everybody. And what's one thing that if more people would do this one thing, maybe get there faster? Actually, in the new book, Right Within, I talk about bystander intervention. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to be in a meeting, virtual or in person, and, and someone say, you know, an off off joke or a racial slur of some sort or something very inappropriate. And oftentimes one of two things will happen. Either people laugh, right? This weird, awkward laugh, or there's a silence, an awkward silence, and everybody pretends that nothing has happened and we just move on to the next agenda item. So what I'm hopeful is (laughs) that just because you didn't say it or do it, not doing anything also makes you just as bad as that person, right? So if we Uh think about how do we make good trouble in the workplace? Right. And it doesn't always mean that you have to stand on top of the table and call everybody out. That's not always appropriate. Right. But being committed to doing something right. That something could be after the meeting, talking to that person, that something could be going to HR and saying, hey, I'm observing some behaviors inside of our meetings that are really inappropriate. And I wanted to make you aware of that. Right. Or coming to me or the person that has been harmed and saying, hey, I'm sorry that that happened in the last meeting. I didn't do anything or say anything. I wanted to apologize, but I wanted to acknowledge that that was not okay. And I hope next time to not be silent, right? Like there's so many different ways, but at the end of the day, not doing anything can no longer be be acceptable. (laughs) We have to do something and that's where we can do it. So if everybody can just commit to one step, one step, it doesn't have to be the large climb on top of the Uh empire state, small steps of courage, make it better for everybody. I like how, you know, there's options it's not comfortable. And I think too, you know, it's how do we helping people to step outside that comfort zone of being able to say anything, even if it is just going to that person and saying, wow, I'm so sorry. I didn't step up. I'm so sorry. I didn't say anything. You know, I will do better, but that's still, I mean, all of those things are hard and we need to have that courage to find a way to step up and say that we'll, we're going to be better. And then hold people accountable. I think you mentioned that earlier. You know, the accountability piece is huge. For me, you know, for, I'm going to call myself out. I, you go to your comfort zone. And so I need somebody to pull me out of that every once in a while and say, hey, Wendy, come on, step up. 
<laughs> if you want to be an ally, you have to do these things. You can't just sit back and say, hey, I'm an ally. So I think that's a key thing. But I, I like how you give options for it. So it's not, well, I didn't do this one thing. So too late. I can't do anything now. I didn't speak up in the meeting. So now it's too late. I don't, I can't do anything. We all can do something. We all yes. can do something. Something is better than nothing. That's just good advice all the way around. All the, all time, the time, isn't it? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Doing something is better than nothing. So I was thinking, especially right now in a pandemic, do something. Let's yeah. not ignore it. So since we're on the Talent Magnet Institute podcast, we should talk about them a little bit, I suppose. Um, <laughs> they're launching a training series for mid-level and emerging leaders, which I think is great because a lot of times we don't focus on those newer leaders, those emerging those mid-level leaders who maybe they're not, they don't have leader in their title. They're taking on a, an informal leadership role. So what is your advice for those leaders as they take on these formal or informal leadership opportunities? Uh, yeah, I'm so happy to hear about the program because like you, we talked about earlier, most people are just thrusted into these management roles and like, mm, okay, I've never had a difficult conversation. I have no conflict resolution skills. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Let's let's do this, right? <laughs> and we've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah. But what I will say is I have something in the book that I'm really excited about. It's called a manager's pledge. Oh. And I'm asking managers to commit to equity, right? Commit to equitable practices so that everybody on the team is invested and supported in. And even when you make a mistake, you're still committed to listening and you're committed to taking the steps to make it a safe space for everybody. And so I think that it's important that we don't allow our managers to opt into equity. Equity has to be mandatory. We have to normalize that. I love that. And I think that too often and for too long, we've had equity as something else. Mm -hmm. It's just another step. And no, it should be just part of our overall process, part of who we are, part of your whole organization. I love that takeaway. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. <laughs> and this has been so much fun. And our time has gone by so fast as it always does. I was like, didn't we just get started talking? I know. <laughs> <laughs> it just started. You know, we'll definitely have to have you on again when your third book comes out. Definitely want to have you on HR Wonder Women again to talk about that and talk about the, the three book series, which I'm so excited about that. Oh, yay. So you heard it here, folks. Third book coming out in 2022. Linda, thank you for your time. How can listeners find you and learn more about who you are, what you do, and your books? Yes, thank you again, Wendy. It's always a pleasure. Shout out to Talent Management for having me as well. The best place for you all to go is mindahearts.com. And on there, you can engage with me on whatever your favorite social platform is. And then I hope that you will cop right within and be a part. Commit to equity with us. Yes, definitely. I love that. Commit to equity, folks. And I'm Wendy. I'm not Mike. Next week, Mike will be back with his regular episodes. But so excited. Thank you to Mike. Thank you to the Talent Magnet Institute for allowing me to have this conversation with Minda. I had a great time. And I'm going to encourage you all to be courageous and share your stories so that we can all commit to an equitable workplace. So thank you all for listening and have a great day. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. 
The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.